very good morning, morning folks. <laughs> so, good morning to those of you uh, worshiping at the sanctuary, here of course here at the hub as well. Today, I hope to uh, take us on a little journey, and I'll be using a new presenta- a presentation format. So let's give the team a bit of time to set it up. Uh, do give me some feedback on uh, the presentation format, whether you can see it or not, whether it's clear. Uh, but don't miss the main points of the sermon. Is that okay? Yeah, so I'm going to take us on a little journey. All right. Uh, so let me show us the roadmap of where we are going today. Just follow law that, uh, just, just love law that's title. So I want to show us, uh, first of all, uh, the problems with just following the law blindly. And then I will bring us to see the beauty of the law, how we can see justice and love in the law. And then finally, we will move on to loving the law. So we can be people who just, be known as people who just love the law. Are you ready for this journey? Let us begin with a word of prayer. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Many years ago, uh, there was a Jack Neal production starring uh, Gurmit Singh and uh, Fan Wong. I'm not sure how, you, how many of you remember this movie. It's called Just Follow Law. And uh, how many of you here watched the movie? Only a few. It's quite a hilarious show, right? Uh, basically, it was uh, making fun of uh, uh, government regulations. And of course, it's a level uh, of joke corniness worthy of Pastor Melvin's level of corniness. Just Follow Law, playing it on the pun. You know, you know, we Singaporeans like to say, okay law, so just follow law. So, uh, yeah, government regulations, just follow law. That's the kind of uh, theme that the movie was uh, exploring. And the movie shows how we often misuse and, and misunderstand the laws set up by people in authority. And how some people blindly follow the letter of the law. Or worse, some people, uh, in the movie, it showed that people didn't want to do the work. And so they used the law to protect themselves from further work. It's quite a hilarious show. Indeed, uh, except with uh, the lawyers in our midst who earn their living using the law, most of us don't really like the word law whenever we hear it, right? Think of outlaw or in-laws. <laughs> Just joking. Yeah, I love my in-laws, okay? I'm sure many of us love our in-laws too. Alright, uh, but the, the, I, the thing is that we don't really like the word law for some reason. I think the first reason is by our sinful nature, we are lawbreakers. And so whenever the word law is mentioned, we really have this kind of negative uh, feeling towards it. And secondly, I think it's because many of us don't understand the context and the reasons the laws were given in the first place. Take for example, in the state of Kentucky, where Pastor Stanley is currently studying, there is a law that goes like this. It is illegal to carry an ice cream cone in your back pocket. Huh? <laughs> huh? Sure or not? Yeah, that's the law in the state of Kentucky. Do you know why? You see, many, many years ago, before cars were invented, people went about uh, riding on horses. And so the thieves were very smart. They would put an ice cream cone in their back pocket. And then they would lure the horses away simply by just walking in front of the horse. And then the horse, when they see the ice cream cone, they would just follow this, this stranger. And when they would be caught, the person would just simply say, I didn't steal it. The horse followed me home. So that's why they came up with this law in, the, in, the, in those days. It's still in existence today. I think they didn't change the laws. But that's why the law of not carrying an ice cream cone in uh, your back pocket is, is, is there in the state of Kentucky. 
You see, context is very important. Context really is everything. If you don't understand the context, you will not understand why the laws are there in the first place. And when it comes to God's laws, context also is very important. The problem is, we often see God's laws, especially the Ten Commandments, standing alone. You go to Christian bookstores, you have Ten Commandments printed on the poster, you watch the famous movie Ten Commandments, and many times we have all these without the context. Perhaps not so in the movie, but like a standalone poster in the Christian bookstore. We only see the laws, and we see thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. And we forget that there is a larger context. Context is everything. Repeat after me, context is everything. Okay, so in terms of uh, prob- the problems with following the law is that we forget these laws have a context. And if we don't understand the context properly, we will follow the law blindly and not appreciate the spirit of the law. And for us as Christians, we need to understand that all of God's laws or commandments are given in the context of God's covenant with His chosen people. It's a relationship. The laws are given after God has saved His people from slavery. The laws are given hundreds of years after God had made made a covenant with Abraham. Everyone say after. After. The laws are given after God has saved His people. God's laws are not given for people to save themselves, to obey them so that they can be saved. No. They are given after we have been saved. God's laws are given after we have entered into a covenant relationship with God. That's the larger context of Ten Commandments and all of God's laws because we have entered into a covenant relationship with Him. The Ten Commandments are not given as a way for us to work out our own salvation. They are given after God has already worked out salvation for us after our relationship with Him has been established. And so this has one really tremendous practical implication. We cannot and should not expect non-believers to adhere by God's laws. We cannot and we should not expect non-believers, people who do not understand what God has done for them, to adhere by God's laws. Number one, they simply cannot because they are spiritually dead. Number two, they will not because they do not understand what God has done for them through Jesus Christ. They do not see that Jesus has saved them with His very life. And number three, we should not impose our house rules, as it were, our internal house rules, on outsiders. It's unfair to them. So we should not use God's laws to restrict, to oppress, or even to judge non-believers. After all, the scripture says, judgment begins with the house of God. So God uh, wants us to judge ourselves first, not the people outside. Because they are not yet in a relationship with God, so how can we expect them to obey God's laws? Give you an example. I have a friend from secondary school who is not a believer, and he often goes drinking, and many times he goes drinking to the point that he becomes drunk. And so this is quite common. Now, as his good friend, but as a believer, I do not throw the Bible at him. Hey, look, Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk. No, I cannot. And I should not, because he's not in a relationship with God. I don't condemn him either, because he does not know what God has done for him. I don't judge him. Yes, I care about him. I, I warn him about the risk of you know, binge drinking. But I don't throw my Bible at him. Because he is not a believer. And yet many of us Christians, that's the wrong way we treat non-believers. We throw our Bibles at people, our high moral standards at people. 
without teaching them, first of all, what God has done for them, revealing to them the good news in Jesus Christ. That is, salvation is by grace, by faith. And so when we throw our Bibles at people at the society, I think it is not a big surprise then that, you know, they react, they fight back. Hey, why are you doing this? And so we have seen two wrong and bad users of the law. We take it out of context because we are ignorant or unaware of the context. We see the laws by itself and the cost is scary and it misrepresents God as well. And then secondly, we throw the law at others who are not part of the covenant relationship with God. So just follow law is problematic in that way. And really, if you just follow, just follow law, it can lead to two wrong attitudes developing over time. Some people love the structure that comes from rules, and so they focus on the rules, they demand people to conform to their rules. And they demand others to live according to these rules. And this thing of the Pharisees in the Bible, and how legalistic they were, they fall into the trap of legalism, they do not explain the rules, they just want people to follow the rules. I already mentioned how some of us Christians throw our biblical rules and laws at non-Christians without explaining the context and it can really do a lot of damage. And of course, every action, uh, physics students will know, every action has a reaction. And the other extreme then is a rebelling against authority. For some people, when rules are thrown at them, they see these rules as inhibiting life and restricting their personality. And so they, and they want to live their life spontaneously and so they throw all the rules out of the windows, they rebel against authority, and they embrace licentiousness. Sorry for the error there. And worse, they urge others to break the laws. Because they themselves do not submit to the laws, they urge others to break the law. And so the lawlessness becomes worse. And so I see this really as a vicious cycle. If you know, if you're swinging between these two extremes, you have someone coming to you demanding conformity without explaining the laws, and so naturally, we'll rebel against the law. And then, uh, because we do not understand, uh, those with the law throw the laws at us again. And then we react, rebel against the law, and it becomes a vicious cycle. So just follow law is problematic in that way. Now let's move on to the next part of our journey to see that God's laws actually reveal uh, many things. The beauty of God's laws the justice and the love found in God's laws. And God's laws and word reveals three fundamental things. First of all, it reveals who God is. Secondly, it reveals who we are, our identity. And third, it reveals how we are to relate to God. First of all, let's look at who God is. We need to understand fundamentally that the laws, the word of God, reveal the character of God. His nature, both His justice and His love. Let's look at uh, our passage for today, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 to 22. Uh, listen to the tone and the spirit uh, that this passage is written. It's not up there in the presentation, so I want to encourage us uh, to flip our Bibles open. I know it's a bit dark here in the hub. You can use your handphone apps. I'm sure you can see it. Alright, let's do that. Let's get into the practice, the habit of referring to God's Word. Thankfully, I can hear some people flipping their pages, so I'll know when they are done. We can start reading the Bible passage together. 
It's very dark in here, I know, so you can't read the hard copy, but many of you have your soft copy Bibles. I want to encourage us uh, to open our, our Bible apps. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 to 22. Listen to the tone, the way this passage is written. And ask yourself, how do you think God is represented as this passage is being read? Alright? Deuteronomy chapter 10, reading from verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. To the Lord your God belongs the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet, the Lord set His affection on your ancestors and loved them, and He chose you their descendants above all the nations as it is today. Circumcise your hearts therefore and do not be steep neck any longer. For the Lord your God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality, accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless, the widow, and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. You are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Fear the Lord your God and serve Him. Hold fast to Him and take your oaths in His name. He is the one you praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Your ancestors went down into Egypt for seventy in all, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as stars in the sky. So how do you feel as you hear these words of God? Are they oppressive? What is the tone? Verses 14 to 15, and especially verse 15, shows the love of God. Even though He's the Creator God, He chose Abraham. He chose to set His affection on Abraham and the Israelites. He chose us in the same way today. The love of God has chosen us. At the same time, we see the justice of God from verses 17 to 19. He's a God who shows no partiality, accepts no bribes. He defends the fatherless, the widow, and is concerned about foreigners. No discourse of people, the fatherless, I mean orphans, children without parents, the widows, those who have lost their husbands, and the foreigners. These are the people who have little or no status in ancient Israelite societies. What does it tell you about God? When God says, these are the people I care about, I will execute justice for them. Do we really understand the character of God rightly? You see, He is the God who will seek justice and defend those who cannot defend themselves. He is the God who will execute justice for the fatherless, the widow, and the foreigner. You see, we do not many times understand who God is because we only read His laws without context. But when we see the larger context of who God is, we will begin to appreciate and begin to fall in love with the law of God. And it's in this context that we have the verses 12 to 13 and verses 20 to 22 where the command is to obey and to love God and to serve Him. Why? Because He is the one in the first place who has been faithful, who has performed great wonders, and has blessed the people. So the laws really reveal a God of holy love. There is no trace of selfishness or sin in Him. No stain, no rebellion. He is perfectly faithful and loving to uphold His end of the covenant. Even when we are unfaithful, God remains always faithful. He is perfectly loving and just in His dealings with humankind. He shows compassion to the weak and will seek justice for the oppressed. 
So we see how both justice and love are found in the law of God. At the same time, however, the law also does reveal to us our sin, our rebellion, who we are as sinners. It reveals how far short we have fallen of God's perfect standards. In the world book, and this is uh, intentional, I'm not putting this on the presentation so that you will purchase uh, the world book for yourselves. Pastor Randall Grossman explains how the law, among other purposes, first of all as a mirror because it reflects us it shows us our sin and it points us also to our need for a saviour the apostle Paul makes this same point in the New Testament that the laws point out our sinful nature and shows us how rebellious we are but yet at the same time the law also reveals the grace that is available in Jesus Christ because Jesus fulfills the law and anyone who believes in him fulfills the law that's the free gift of salvation and life and righteousness in Christ Jesus. And again, in the book, we have a wonderful quote uh, by Charles Spurgeon, who is uh, known as the Prince of Preachers in his day. He says this, As the sharp needle prepares the way for the thread, so the piercing law makes the way for the bright silver thread of divine grace. Listen carefully, it's not in the presentation because I want you to get the whole book. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon says this, As the sharp needle prepares the way for the thread, so the piercing law makes a way for the bright silver thread of divine grace. God's law points out our sin, but yet at the same time it reveals the grace that we have in Christ Jesus. And then this brings us to how we are to relate to God and why we need Jesus. I already explained earlier that God's laws must be understood in the context of a covenant relationship between God and His people. The laws are given after God has saved His people. And so obeying the laws does not save us. Let me say that again. Coming to church, obeying the laws does not save you and will not save you. But it shows us our identity as God's people. It merely reveals our identity as His children. And because, uh, like father, like son, and like daughter, we want to become like our Heavenly Father. And the laws reveal who our Heavenly Father is, that He is both just and loving as we have seen earlier. And if we love the Lord truly, we want to become like Him in every way. And so that's how God wants us to relate to Him. First of all, importantly, most importantly, through Jesus Christ, we come to Him because Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. And then He wants us to relate to Him in obedience, to obey His commands, because we know that His commands are for our good. And when that happens, when God begins to open up our eyes to see the beauty of the law, we will find really a joy and a delight to understand His word, to obey the law. We will no longer see His laws as oppressive. We will not use it to oppress others. Sinners see the laws as oppressive, or Pharisees use the laws to oppress others. But as children of God, we will have a different paradigm when we begin to see that love is at the heart of God's laws and our hearts are transformed by His love, we will begin to love the law. We will begin to love the law. Not a sentimental kind of love, as Pastor Melvin preached, but an obedient kind of love. Pastor Adrian will elaborate more on this uh, next week on chapter 2 of our book of the study on obeying out of uh, love rather than out of fear of legalism. But for now, let me just give you a very simple example, illustration. What it means to love the law, uh, love the lawgiver, and understand the reason the law was given that is out of love, 
and why we obey the law. Let me give you this example. My grandmother and my mother, when I was growing up, they refused to let me learn how to ride a motorbike. After I got married, my wife also refused to let me ride, uh, learn how to ride a motorbike. Why? Because they do not want me to endanger my life. They do not want me to endanger my life. They love me, and so they want to protect me. And me in return, because I love and honor them, I choose to respect the decision. You see, I'm a grown man. I can use my own time. I can use my own money, my own freedom to learn to ride a motorbike. I'm free as a grown man. But I choose not to because I know that they have given that law, that commandment out of love for me. And because I love them, I respect them, I will obey them. Now this is an illustration. As I mentioned, context is everything. This applies only to me. My family, I'm not going to impose this on all of you, those of you who ride motorbikes. I'm not judging you or condemning you. For example, the whole country of Vietnam, everyone rides a motorbike. You know, it's a different context altogether. I'm just giving you an illustration. How context is everything. I have a relationship with my grandmother, my mother and my wife. So I'm not imposing this law on you. But you, it's the same. God's laws are set in the context that he has saved his people. And so he has given only to his people these laws. And if we love the Lord as He has loved us, we will begin to appreciate it and begin to fall in love with the law and obey it out of love and devotion. So that's really how we ought to approach God's laws. Our world book also says that the beginning and the foundation of the law is love. The end goal of the law is love because Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. God's goal is that we become loving people. Just like Him. People of justice and mercy, just like Him. Jesus loved God perfectly, obeyed Him fully, and thus He fulfilled all the laws. And that's why He is both our sacrifice and our Savior. Friends, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today I hope, hope that you will come home to your Heavenly Father. You don't have to obey the laws before you return. That's what some of us think. Oh, I need to be a good person before I can come to church. That's wrong. It's because we cannot do it. That God extends His grace to us through Jesus Christ. And he says, the Father says, come home through Jesus Christ. He has fulfilled the law for you. He is your righteousness, your grace, your love, everything. Come back through Jesus Christ. We're going to close in a very short while, uh, this part of the sermon. I'm going to give an invitation uh, to all all of us, both here as well as those sitting back uh, the century. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're always running away from God's laws because you think that it's oppressive. But today, for the first time, you hear that hey, God's laws are actually for my good and you want to return to Jesus Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. I'm not going to ask us to close our eyes uh, and pray. I used to do that, but over time I realized that's not really the best thing to do. I'm not trying to embarrass us uh, by asking you to respond to God later on with everyone looking. But because I understand uh, the way that Jesus called his disciples in the first place, he didn't ask anyone to close their eyes and pray. He said, come, follow me. It's a very public affair. And secondly, if you're not able to stand up or raise your hands in the midst of people who are already family of God, how can you later on go on towards baptism, where it's a public declaration of your faith? 
So we're going to do it differently. I want to give you an opportunity right now, all of you, both here as well as uh, the sanctuary. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, let me have uh, the privilege and joy to meet you in a prayer. And let us have the privilege, since our eyes are all open, to warmly clap for you and welcome you into the spiritual family of God. Alright? So all over this hall, and uh, let me give this advance notice, uh, those at the sanctuary as well. If you see someone... Uh, Raise the hand or stand up in the sanctuary because I cannot see you. Please send me a text message. There's about 15 second delay, so we'll give some time for that response. If there's anyone and receive a text message, we will be glad to pray with you, right? And welcome you to the spiritual family of God, right? There is. Would you just uh, raise your hand or maybe perhaps stand where you are so we can welcome you, pray with you. Same with the other horse. Somehow you can text me a message. We'll be glad to welcome you. How are you? <laughs> Basically, that's what we should do, actually, right? The newborn baby, you know, you, mm, wow, so cute. Then, then when we behave, we have salvation course, we think it's so secretive. Hey, something is wrong, right? Anyone want to receive Jesus for the first time? You feel the grace of God found through Jesus Christ. You want to come to the family of God, come back from your wanderings and return to God, our Heavenly Father. Anyone here? Let me wait 15 seconds for any response from the hub. And a half from the century. Response. Buzzing. Right, let's close then. The word of prayer for this segment. And then later on, I will just do a bit of uh, uh, explanation for how we can love God and love His law more. Right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. You can hear your word. Lord, we thank you that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. And we can come, not because of our own righteousness, but because of His righteousness. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us. Lord, we pray you continue to teach us that it's in this context of our relationship with you that you want us, you desire us to obey you because you first love us. So teach us to love you afresh and to obey you in all that you have said to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just before we close, a few pastoral applications as I mentioned to how can we obey God, how can we love God. As Pastor Melvin has preached, since love is more do than be, do be, do be, do, do first, how can we, what can we do to love God? First of all, I've, uh, uh, we have given out this uh, soap, uh, sermon journal, sorry, church journal, as a very simple way to express our love for God. If you turn with me to page uh, 14, you may not have it here, some of you have it at home. The difference between this uh, journal from previous years is that it's not just for your sermon notes, so I deliberately removed the word sermon journal from sermon sermon from the word sermon journal, but just journal, right? So because it comes, it can also become a daily journal for you. We have increased the number of blank pages so that you can use this for your daily devotions as well. But on page fourteen, uh, and I will do a tutorial as I as fastly as announced earlier on twenty fourth of Jan at two p.m. at Century Tree, that's the back main church. You do not need to register; just show up at two p.m. with this journal with a Bible and with a pen, right? But the instructions are also listed if you cannot make it for the tutorial. Actually, I've already taught this method to all the cell leaders and they are equipped, I believe, to guide you. But it's also printed here in the, in the uh, journal itself, page 14 and 15, a simple method called SOAP. It's a spiritual cleansing for us as we spend time with God's Word daily. Uh, so I want to encourage us to do that. The Bible reading plan is also inside here. And this Bible reading plan has also been uploaded on our church website. Alright, so if you are traveling on the bus or train, not when you're riding motorcycle and driving, obviously, 
you want to refer to the Bible reading plan and to read your Bibles, alright, uh, you can find it on our church website. For your information, especially for the parents to take note, I've, uh, chal- I'm challenging the young people, the youth, to read through the New Testament. In the Bible reading plan, we have the New Testament as well as the Old Testament passages. So, whichever your spiritual maturity or center may be, uh, you can either read one or both. But I'm challenging this for the young people to do the New Testament. And so, parents, you can take note of that. So, you can do the soap reading with your children. I don't know, parents, sometimes we want to do devotions with our children, but sometimes we do not know what to do. We cannot always be buying resources, right? A lot of money, you know. So, what can we do? Just spend time reading gospel together using the soap devotional method. It comes to family devotion, it comes to cell group devotion, it's a very useful tool. So when uh, I was sent uh, to Hawaii for this practicum, it's not a holiday per se, <laughs> I have come back with this method to teach all of us, so that as a church we can grow to love God more by reading His Word and then obeying Him. <laughs> Second application point is to join a cell group, join a small group, our pastoral team members uh, will be stationed at the information counters, but especially Colin and Leighton, they will be stationed uh, the information counters uh, during the whole duration of our church-wide study uh, to recommend to you, if you're not in a cell group currently, to recommend to you a cell group that's appropriate to you for your life stage, for your timing, for your venue that's suitable for you. Right? They have a whole list of the cell group timings, location, and, and so on and so forth. You know, it is uh, found that unless you have five to seven meaningful relationships in church, it is unlikely that you will be able to grow spiritually, to have good Christian, genuine Christian fellowship and grow well as a disciple. If you think that coming to church only on Sundays is good enough, that's all you that's your only Christian duty, then I think you have not understood God's laws are not in a proper relationship with God fully. It's more than that. And the small group is to help us grow as his disciples. That's another way for us to study God's Word together, to challenge each other to apply God's Word. Because without accountability, most of us do not apply God's Word. Okay, so I want to encourage us to join a staff group, get a workbook, you get a discount as well, uh, as you join a staff group. And finally, on the workbook, oh sorry, backtrack one point, Colin has mentioned uh, that I should bring this up to you. I'm going to give you a question, right? And you're going to find out the answer to this question. You have to join a staff group, because the answers will only be told to the cell leaders. Okay, and the question is this, what is the greatest mystery revealed by God in Scripture, according to Scripture? The answer is not so simple as the Sunday school answer, Jesus, no, no, of course, of course, that's not the simple answer, right? So there is an answer that is found in Scripture, what is the greatest mystery revealed by God? And you want to find out yeah, the answer to that question, join the group, I will email the leader, uh, answers to the leaders soon. And then finally, a guidance on the workbook. Since many of us are in cell groups, you see, every chapter begins with three days of individual study. Three days of devotional material for your own personal reading and reflection. And then finally, it concludes with a group study. And so, I want to encourage us as individuals to do that individual study first before we come together for the group study. So, we don't come together and then do the chapters, the earlier three days of devotion. Alright? And the emphasis where we come together. Uh, it's not for someone uh, to teach, you know, to show off how much he or she knows, but really only to clarify if there's a lack of understanding. Oh, I didn't understand this verse. I didn't understand this passage. Why is this saying? That's okay. So it should not be a time if we do not want to put pressure on cell leaders that they must know everything. And definitely we do not want to make cell group a time of uh, sharing group ignorance. 
you know, some leaders do it this way. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Oh, okay. Close. It's closed. That's not the way to do Bible study. Right? I think this logbook is very good. It has all the answers, a lot of guidance here. We have sent uh, the cell leaders additional materials. But really, that's additional. It's not necessary. We just deal with the application question in the group study. Issues like uh, of the heart. What gets in your way of obeying God's commands? Those are the questions we want to discuss at group level, share our vulnerable, our weaknesses, and pray for each other. That's what the group is supposed to do to encourage each other. So there's no need to go beyond what's printed in the workbook. For example, there's no need to discuss the animal sacrifices in the book of Leviticus. You don't need to go into all that. Right? Just focus on the workbook. It's good enough. Uh, that's all the explanation I want to give this morning. I want to encourage us. Uh, so I start group, get the workbook, and begin to do your own daily devotions uh, using the soap method. And the library reading plan is here, as well as the 